note, for maximum picture quality, it may be necessary to adjust the tracking control on your VCR. The future of Fredonia rests on you. Promise me you'll follow in the footsteps of my late husband. How do you like that? I haven't been on the job five minutes and already she's making advances to me. Not that I care, but where is your husband? Why, he's dead. I bet that he's just using that as an excuse. I was with him to the very end. Huh? No wonder he's passed away. I, I held him in my arms and kissed him. Oh, I see. Then it was murder. No, it's Adjust Your Tracking, a podcast where we're on an adventure to watch a century cinema decade by decade, year by year. And I'm one half of your host, Lena Delaney, and with me is... Hello, I'm Ollie Marks. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I've created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do the whole podcast like that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything's like a double entendre or like a play on words. Yeah, and he just won't shut up. Groucho, <laughs> <I know. laughs> leave it. It's not worth it. Just, just back up. I had no idea that his moustache was just like no. painted on. I didn't. I didn't at all. I did not at all. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> no, I, that blew my mind. I can't believe you said that. I thought I was the only person in the world that didn't know that. <laughs> would you? Would you admitted that if you hadn't? If I hadn't said that? Well, I might have forgotten. But <laughs> it might have come up. <laughs> this is going to be a, a slightly tricky podcast, I think. Mm, yeah. We'll get there. But um, it might. I don't really understand why. We'll do this at this point. We'll come back to this. But I don't really understand why Rufus. What's his name? <laughs> Firefly. Rufus T. Fire, Firefly. Yeah, fi- yeah, they keep saying Firefly, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah Rufus T. Firefly. I don't really understand why he's in charge of Fredonia. <laughs> I don't really understand how this works. It's because story. I don't know if there is much of a story. You know. Anyway, it's exciting to know that Mrs. Teasdale is like can just choose whoever she wants to be in charge of the country. Apparently, that's apparently their demographic democratic system. I feel like we're in it already, but like, I, <laughs> I just love his entrance. He slides down the bat pole. Oh, his entrance is amazing. His entrance is fucking amazing. We will get duck soup. Oh well. Did it? Um, what have you been watching? Oh, now you've Mr. talked Jones. about Ducktales. Have you watched any of the new Ducktales? Yeah, I watched a bit of it actually. I Is didn't watch good? all of it, but I watched quite a bit of it. It's I've a good kids' cartoon. Yeah, the it's voices good are good. Decartoon. Good actors. It's a good cartoon. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that was. How dare you call me out for it? <laughs> uh, you should have voiced uh, Mario, I think, in the new uh, the new movie. <laughs> I would have done a fantastic job with Mario. <laughs> Uh, it's a kids cartoon it's good it's a good Disney cartoon I don't know like have I watched anything uh, uh, film wise um, no I've I'll tell you what I have started to watch though I've started to watch Atlanta you know the Donald Glover oh, yeah. show yeah. have you watched any of it nope nope it's really it's really good like I just really know he. I just know Donald Glover's in it. That's a basic. Yeah, I. I love Donald Glover. Like I remember years and years ago when I found Derek Comedy on YouTube, like in the early yeah, days yeah, of YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they were like one of the first people to, or groups or accounts to ever like monetize their accounts somehow, and like. Oh right. Okay. All the money they made from that account, they then put into their feature film, which was um, was it Mystery Team. Yeah, Mystery Team. I loved Which Mystery Team. I love Mystery Team. Problem, I think that was like, like I think for, we said this before, but like I love um, adult child mystery solvers. <laughs> Is that yeah, like that? the like, yeah. Adam, like the Adam Brody one. 
Um, yeah, like the Adam Brody film, like Venge- yeah. uh, Ven- Vengeance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost said the Venger Brothers. The Venger Brothers. <laughs> the Venger Brothers. <laughs> Venture Brothers. The Venture um, Brothers. Yeah. I hope, yeah, I, hope, like. I hope that after all that Warner Brothers axing, that it hasn't affected the, you know, because they're going to do one final film. Because the show got cancelled. imagine they wouldn't ax that. Christ, like, I haven't, I heard, I haven't read anything. But, like, they, I mean, they cancelled the show, but they said you're going to get to do it like a, straight to dvd yeah do one movie yeah so i'm hoping that 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 will exist because i in fairness i think that the timeline for that movie coming out is something around seven years so by the time that (laughs) happens it might be okay but yeah uh where were we yeah so atlanta i really enjoyed that uh well haven't finished watching it but i'm really enjoying that so i mean that's about it i think (laughs) i haven't really watched anything um and that's purely for the fact that we're recording these a bit in advance, so I've kind of just been watching Christmas films. But I don't really want to talk about Christmas now because technically we're at the end of Gillette January, so, you know. <laughs> I love how you can't help but talk about our drop schedule. <laughs> You're like, it's the main thing I need to talk about. It is. It's, it's, it's playing with my mind. like... Well, I got two films I wouldn't mind talking about, if that's okay, Mr. Go Jones. For it. <laughs> Go for it, Mrs. Delaney. I don't know why this is started. <laughs> um, uh, I think I can talk about this because of our drop schedule. It makes me look very timely. That's the okay. reason. So, Tar, uh, Ooh, the new I've movie heard about this. This looks really from good. Uh, Todd Field, the crazy, crazy Todd Field, that, to give him his full name. <laughs> um this is the one with um, uh, what's her name Australian no Kate Blanchett Kate Blanchett yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kate Blanchett I just, Kate yeah. Blanchett is is Australian blur according to yeah. Ollie <laughs> <laughs> yep but she's uh, I think she might be one of my favourite actresses I was no, looking at fantastic. this the other day she's so good um, like, Carol's amazing Carol is so good talking to Christmas movies, yeah. Um, and she's just, I think she's fantastic in pretty much everything she's ever done. You know, like, um, even like has all the Lord of the Rings, like. Yeah, I was going to say, has there been a better that? elf, you know? No. Uh, Life Aquatic, she's in. Oh, yeah. Like, Hannah, Song to Song, Knight of Cups, if you like those, I like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Gift. Mm. <laughs> but, like, I haven't seen that. It's been a long time since I saw The Gift. That was one of the early <laughs> DVDs I bought. Yeah. She's wonderful in Notes on a Scandal, talking of lesbian yeah. movies. She's absolutely wonderful in that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I love Kate Banshee. Um And what, she hasn't aged a day. No, she like hasn't. That's why she was Gladriel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. stunning. Um, Tar, yeah, Todd Field, if you don't know him, he's not got a huge catalogue of movies but like he's he's been around like the kind of the movie industry for like ever um his little children was his big feature that came out yeah. in 2006 was that his last one it might be yeah i think that was his last one 2006 little children a very very difficult movie um, that's with um, put it. kate winslet yeah yeah yeah, yeah kate winslet yeah, yeah and uh, patrick wilson i think um, yes yeah 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 but, that was a great film 
Did he do in the bedroom as well? Yeah, he did do in the bedroom as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are the two that I know him for. Um, though I haven't seen in the bedroom. I should watch that. Obviously, he's an actor. He was in Eyes Wide Shut. He's in Twister, famously. <laughs> Who's he in Twister? Um, oh, I can't remember one of the team. Is it Rabbit is wise. Like, Rabbit is wise. No, I think Rabbit is actually the friend from uh, Ferris Bueller. Anyway. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't... You know, they're making... They announced Twister 2 this week. Putting it. Twisters. It should be called Twisters. <laughs> Twisters. With a dollar is it gonna sign. Have, is it going to have... Yeah, is it going to have uh, Helen Hunt in it? No, is it Helen Hunt? Who was in it? It wasn't Helen Hunt, was it? I think it yeah, it was Helen Hunt. It wasn't Helen Helen Hunt's the only person surviving from that cast. But Christ. You're not going to have <laughs> the extreme. The extreme has passed away. And obviously, Rusty has passed away. The fact that believe- or oh, uh, Carrie Elwes dies in the film, so you can't bring him back unless you see like his truck like land, and he's fine, and he's still in it. <laughs> that would be a good joke. <laughs> That's how the film starts, and then it goes twenty-five years later. <laughs> or he's still in the around. tornado Anthony for twenty-five could do years. It. You what? Jake Jake Boosie could come back. Um, was Jay Boosie in it? He was not in that film. Yeah, he played mobile lab technician. I might have loaded up. <laughs> I might have loaded up the old, uh, the old letterbox. The old IMDb. <laughs> Who plays the um, old lady in that? Is it Lois Smith? Plays Meg. Ah, uh, she's. Yeah, is Lois Smith still around? She is Lois Smith. No, she dies in Twister, doesn't she? Where'd you get all this great beef, Meg? Did you see my <laughs> cows outside? No. Oh. Why I know that word, film word for word, I don't know. I've watched it far too many times. Anyway, we're getting off track here. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at who I looking at who Todd Phil played in Twister. That's why oh, I yeah. opened it up. He played Tim Beltzer with the uh, little thingies. Uh, Lewis. Uh, no idea. <laughs> just punching off my table. <laughs> so you recommend Tar then? Yes. Hang on. I, I've noticed he directed a video, a music video this year called Mortar, and I'm hoping it's like a sequel to Tar. Um, oh my god. It... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Mortar. Uh, yeah, Tar. So Tar is about uh, when cancel culture comes to the orchestra. Oh. And... Um, it's 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 fucking fantastic <laughs> I don't know how else to, it's fucking fantastic Is like it, it, it's Oscar it's contender do you reckon or uh, I Kate Blanchett must have best actress locked in just must oh, really? do. Do you this, think so? this performance is just so it's so all-encompassing she's such a present in it that there, there's not you know there's not a scene without Lydia Tarr in it frankly um it's all about her and she um she's it's a difficult role like she's not presented as like correct in any way in this movie she's correct she's presented as like the problem <laughs> like she isn't like a good person she has abused people she is abusive like she she isn't presented like like someone who's harmed badly by cancel culture or something mm-hmm. um uh, and Kate Blanchett takes that on and absolutely rides with it the whole thing around like when it came out of America, people kept on Googling whether Lydia Tarr was real or not because they were convinced it was like I an autobiography that, of someone. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Like, um, 
but that I think shows how this film's working together and working for people because it does feel so fucking realistic and Kate Blanchett has managed to find a character that feels all-encompassing feels real and feels like um like someone who this happened to frankly i wonder if she had a hand in like creating the character or anything or yeah possibly i like... I, I, w- I actually don't know enough about the production of the show the film so i can't i don't really know but i wouldn't be surprised just in the amount she's in this um she's just yeah she's wonderful she's absolutely wonderful i can't recommend it more it's a long long film uh, it's not an easy watch it's a todd field movie um but like it is massively uh, worth it i think um, I really do recommend getting out there. Now it's in the cinema, I think, uh, when this is releasing. So I think no, it's, I can't remember when we're going to. I'll definitely check that out. I do yeah, I do recommend it so much. And the ending, not to spoil, I won't spoil the ending, um, but great, great ending to to it. Just fantastic. Like it's kind of funny. Um, it's kind and but it's really, really fucking real. Um, and I would never have thought I like I've never thought as much as the world of like composing or um, con- yeah, conducting the way that this goes into it. And it, I felt like this with world was fully formed and real and I got it and I got the the way she was being abusive and stuff through it. It's a uh, yeah, really, really, really great film. So loved it. If you if you were to say like why she's cancelled, is that like a spoiler for the film or? kind of yeah i think it is it's like it's worth just because it kind of escalates really it's very obvious at the beginning of the movie that she is not a easy person to work for like she is very demanding she's very she doesn't take any shit she's very like uh um she takes herself very seriously and she can be quite mean to people like off the cuff that's kind of like i think you get that impression from her like immediately but I think it's worth letting it play through to find out, find out everything about her and stuff as it goes through. Um, Got you. Okay. But it's I uh, can't say more better things about it. I don't want to spoil the plot or anything else like that. But it's 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 really worth watching. It really is. So what what was the second one? The second film is our old friend Spiely Spielberg. Ah, the and, the. F- Freedmans. The, the Fablemans. No, the Fablemans. Freedmans. I'm thinking of capturing the Capturing Freedmans. the Freedmans. <laughs> capturing the Fablemans. <laughs> and uh, again, I don't know, perfect fucking movie. Like, we talk about Spielberg a lot. He's just, you know, you can't talk about movies without talking about Spielberg sometimes. Yeah. He comes up just continuously. I, For my money, I think he's in the best one of his life, frankly. Um, which is just insane thing to say, <laughs> considering his like his career. But um, I think he's doing the best work of his life. He's in his basically fuck it stage of like his career. Um, BFG didn't really like it. Like Ready Player One didn't really like it. Yeah. But Fableman's West Side Story, The Post, Bridge of Spies, Lincoln, like Tintin. I just think. Like and the Munich, I just think are absolute stunning movies. Uh, and he just keeps getting better at doing what he does. Bridge of Spies is easily like his top two or three. It's, like that's weird. So. Like I, because I'm, you know, we've had film junk on our podcast before, and they yeah. on their Patreon they've done like a Spielberg tier list. You know, when you kind of you can, oh sure, you've kind of got A, B, C, and you kind of put whatever in whichever category you think. And they put Bridge of Spies in like the C or D tier list, and I'm like, no, oh, that that's is like, insane! It's a that's masterpiece. Like, I love you guys if you ever listen to this. Yeah. But like, that <laughs> film is one of his best films. That's got to be yeah. like top tier. It's an absolute masterpiece. 
I love his post Oscars career, like Catch Me If You Can and War of the Worlds, and so I yeah. just think he's I like think, AI I really, as well. Like, I think War of the Worlds, uh, as it progresses, it kind of it's it's not as good as how it starts. Yeah, I'm trying to say, like, but I think time has been kind to it. I think that's the other thing. I think yeah, it's watching still looks it now. Good, I think yeah, and I think and it just f- plays. It flows well. You know, it and flows it, like unlike modern blockbusters. And also, if you know anything about the production of that film, like he started filming that in the in the November of the year prior to it coming out, and it was it came out in like in the the June the following year. So like to make a blockbuster film in pretty much six seven months like that is just insane. It just shows how yeah, honed he is in his craft that he knows yeah. exactly what he wants to do. That's what I love it. about it. That's what I loved like about West Side Story. Uh, watching West Side Story and and watching even watching the post, and then Fablemans as well. Is it just he's such a technician and just so fucking comfortable? Like he he constant his blocking is insane. Like, well, like you watch these scenes, and you think, why would you ever design a scene to be filmed like that? Unless you're Steven Spielberg and you are so fucking comfortable in commanding a set, commanding actors, commanding the technicians, commanding the camera operators, commanding everyone around you to do exactly what they need to do on time. And you're going to give yourself enough time to get that done. It's um, it's a joy. Directors don't have that ability. Not ability. That sounds like skill. Like directors aren't often given that amount of comfortable like leeway to do well, stuff I mean, like he- that. He had it since his early career. Like I was yeah, reading yeah. Uh, years ago, I read this like autobiography of Steven Spielberg, and it had like sections that were kind of like interviews, almost like by previous producers and people like that who worked for him. Especially like in his early career when he first started out, like doing Columbo, and mm-hmm. like yeah, produced sure. on Columbo, which and uh, like, Hogan's he was, Heroes, like, wasn't it? He was saying it? he was amazing. Like he came in and he he already knew what shots he wants and he blocked them out and like they were saying you know this is tv this is not how it's done and it it was yeah it was just like instinctively to him that he knew where he wanted the camera and how to move it and like executed on that vision and so i've heard him described as like a savant you know like he's like a movie savant and he i don't think he quite understands why other people don't have that sometimes but what i like about spielberg and like don't get me wrong i like tarantino's films and things like that but like he's very blatant with his like inspirations and you know where he gets his you know his ideas from whereas spielberg i think he just he definitely is inspired by you know like david lean and things like that but like oh yeah yeah but john like it's john yeah exactly and it's just it kind of but it feels more natural and just you know and then now to a point where you know spielberg is his own like people copy spielberg now obviously it happened yeah. for like forever <laughs> yeah the, uh, modern cinema doesn't exist without spielberg like he's yeah. his, his fingerprints are all over what happens with modern cinema it's my favorite reading i don't like the film but it's my favorite reading of um ready player one is literally steven spielberg going look all this i fucking made and isn't it hell <laughs> like isn't it fucking the worst it's fucking dystopian and i'm responsible for this shit like yeah, that's my favorite reading of that movie but and yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> The only thing I like about that film is that me and Brandon, you know, guest of the podcast, we, like, on my birthday, I don't know, what, five, six years ago, we actually sat and watched it being filmed in our hometown, uh, yeah, not, not Brandon's hometown. Yeah, 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 hometown. yeah, yeah. And uh, that was really, really cool. We had a beer, 
and just watching <laughs> the film being made like at the, in the jury quarter in Birmingham. It's so cool. Um, we didn't but, see we didn't see him though. We didn't see the scarf as they call him on film junk because there's they call it like pre scarf and post scarf and now all he does is wear a scarf whenever you see him. <laughs> so they call him Speedy Steals. Yeah. Um, the Fablemans is wonderful. It's yeah. just wonderful. Like it is. It's the it's his most personal film by far. I I think the only and other that film says a gets, lot. Yeah, that says a ton. <laughs> I think like you know. Like Close Encounters, ET are very personal films. Um, this kind of explains why they're personal films. If you don't know Sp- Steven Spielberg's history, it's very um, bizarre, isn't it? I remember watching a documentary, yeah. and it's like his his mum had an affair, but they kind of worked it out. They kind of made it so it was the dad's fault, so they, he didn't resent his mom. Is that kind of what it was? Something like that? yeah, it wasn't. So yeah, it's uh, way that it was always told um, was that. His mom ended up having an affair with her, with her Dad's husband's best friend. Best friend. Yeah. And in order for the kids to, to kind of grow up with a sense of normality and they were going to stay with their mom and a sense of not resenting the mother, the dad decided to kind of play the bad guy and decided to kind of let the ki- don't not let the kids know that like his mom was leaving him because she had the affair. He was like made it that he was the problem because that's he wants so, to give them like that's it's i mean thing. it's <laughs> i mean and you have to you have to consider that it's a very weird it was still a very weird thing in that era for divorce to even happen yeah what was that um, like the late 50s or early 50s i'm guessing 50s, yeah. yeah uh what came out after because now both steven spielberg's parents are, are now deceased what came out after they deceased was steven spielberg revealing that actually what had happened was that he had whilst like he was a little filmmaker while shooting home home videos he recorded his mom um ever like video evidence of his mom having an affair with this guy it wasn't wow it was a little more like an emotional affair it wasn't a physical affair it was more like he noticed that his mom was falling in love with someone else and he saw that whilst looking at footage of home movies that he shot when he was young he ended up resenting his mom for this, and um, eventually that that had, had was a huge sticking point in their relationship. He eventually revealed it to her, which almost kind of revealed the affair to her. I don't think she was to- like the way Stephen tells it is she wasn't totally kind of accepting of it, and it wasn't until Stephen Spielberg kind of brought this evidence to her that she really started accepting her feelings for him. Um, so it's weirdly tied up to him because being a filmmaker really and and his kind of way he looks at film and stuff like that so this story is all about him growing up as a kid and his mom having this uh, this emotional affair with this guy but it's also about him growing up being a filmmaker shooting films at home his ingenious ways of coming up with different things to shoot you know different ways to do train crashes or special well, effects totally, at home and stuff like that like, i remember i had the dvd of saving private ryan and uh, me and my friend sean would make war movies in our background yeah, yeah. and we used to do like copying how spielberg used to do gunshot fires hitting the ground he'd put planks of wood with dirt yep, on it that's in this step on yeah it. and i'm sure we even got you to do it as well <laughs> yeah i think so one of th- and the, what this film's really good at as well is it steven spielberg almost like comprehending the fact that he is a product of both of his parents his mom's like creativity she was a piano player but also she was quite manic she's quite emotional she was quite um 
yeah, emotional is the best way to put it. And, and his dad was like a technician. He was a computer scientist. He was one of the early engineers to work for like IBM and stuff. So, And Steven Spielberg is a product of both of those things. He is sentimental. He is emotional. And he is like a technician. He is he thinks around problems. And he's a, that awkward merge of both of his parents. And mm-hmm. this, film's a, this film is like, it's, a, you know, it's people would call it like a love letter to movies, but it's not. I don't think it's really... I think it is because you can't help it being that if you're Steven Spielberg. But really, it's like it's about the joy of finding that way that you finally get to express yourself. It's about how you use that artistic expression to work through your personal issues and, and yeah. through those things in your head. And it could... It, for Steven Spielberg's case, it was movies. But for other people, it can be other things. It could be writing, music playing. It could be singing. Like It could be anything. But for him, it was this... like interplay with him making movies at home and that like relational and emotional issues that are happening with his parents and this basically it changes the names but this is him like telling that story really and it's it's fucking fantastic it is it's so good so is paul dano his actual dad in the film yeah, yeah. and then and seth rogan is like the best friend plays the best friend guy yeah who's yeah. comes across very like this guy is from the Steven Spielberg always said like he was a lovely guy like he's not yeah. blaming anyone in this he's he's very much like I now I am an adult and I now understand adults I, I, <laughs> like, I, can, I like I, you know thankfully my parents are still together no issues and everything like that but like people wouldn't get with someone if they were horrible why would you why would sure. you have an affair with someone if they were horrible like do you know what I mean like that's but there's just no there's no what you get away there. from and I think horrible, but. I think like sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there <laughs> I just meant like there's no resentment there in the film and I think that's just really that's really key to understanding Spielberg and maybe there would have been resentment when he made like E.T. I mean E.T. is about divorce right like um, maybe there was resentment then that's he a lot of his films are about divorce it's been a it's been like a huge theme throughout like a lot of his movies maybe he's worked through that through his career in making movies and this is the product of it like this is what he's ended up with and this couldn't have been made when he was younger this has to be made at this point of his career maybe i I have a feeling and i could be wrong but i've seen the documentary spielberg i think it was came out around the same time as the department one as well oh yeah Um, and basically just goes through his career and his life and that and i'm pretty sure his mom his stepdad and his dad are in the documentary together okay. at the same time. I'm pretty sure. So I think they must have worked something like they must have kind of. Yeah, like, I think they. I yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. From watching this, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, and uh, I will say in talking of ending shots in Tar, or not ending shot in Tar, the ending sequence in Tar, but the ending shot in this is maybe the best ending shot in any Spielberg movie. Wow, that maybe. says a lot. Like, I mean, on, it's so I cannot possibly explain what it is. It's so key to the movie. Um, it's really fucking good, and I, I had like, I had such a fucking smile on my face, like at the end of this fucking movie. Like, do you think this is a contender as well for like? Oh Oscar? god, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is getting nominations all over the board. It may even be wow. best picture. I could see it getting best picture this year. Really could. Um, I could see Gabriel LaBelle, who plays um, Sammy, Sammy Fableman, getting a nomination. I could see Michelle Williams and Paul Dano both getting supporting nominations. Um, yeah. Do you, <laughs> I could see, do you actually, think... Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch might get a supporting actor as well. Judd Hirsch? He, um, yeah, he's fucking... He 
destroys the scenes he's in. I haven't seen it's him a proper in... like it's a proper Oscar like supporting actor nom. You know, oh, like Judd comes Hirsch in the... four scenes out, but you never forget him kind of thing. Like, hang on, Judd Hirsch is the dad from Independence Day. Uh, yep. What's his dad? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, He's really good in it. Really good in it. Do you think this is like? Do you think Spielberg will stop doing like big, like like sci-fi and action adventure stuff now? Do you? It's think? interesting, think really, because like. This is the first time I can think of when there isn't a clear Steven Spielberg project on the horizon. Yeah, because normally he does. Because normally, like, yeah, normally there's. Don't they? Normally, he's when come one's coming out, he's already like post production, like sorry, pre production on two other movies, yeah. and he's not got nothing at the moment in the can. Um, so I don't know what's for the future of Spielberg. And, this isn't you know, his last movie. No. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. It's just like. Um, he'll be like Clint Eastwood. He'll do it till the day he dies. I yeah, think. he'll be like Hayao Miyazaki, Miyazaki, yeah. who just had a new fucking film announced. This, I mean, to be fair, announced he's while, announced but... that he's retiring about twenty times. <laughs> yeah. Spielberg's never announced he's retiring. But this is, you know, this is like a wind rises. You know, I think right. the same. Like this, it probably, yeah, I could, yeah, it's kind of Spielberg's wind rises. It's Spielberg's four hundred blows. It's yeah. Like, it, I'm glad he... he got to tell this story. I'm glad, like, I'm glad he didn't die and someone has decided to try and tell this story. I think that would have been disastrous. Um, yeah. I think he's done, because... like, and it's gone. Look, I only say that he's like stepping down from big films because he's not doing the the new Indiana Jones. So yeah, I don't, I don't even know if he's even a producer on it. I'm assuming he is in some respects. I'm assuming but, he is, yeah, but. Um, that, I think he that stepped was away thing. from Robopocalypse. Is that what it was called? Oh, was he not he was doing, doing that either? Years? I think it, didn't it go to Michael Mann? No, Michael Mann. Michael, Michael <laughs> Bay. Michael Bay. <laughs> it seems Michael like Mann. a lot of these... Pro- like, wasn't Interstellar originally a Spielberg project? Um, was it? Nolan I didn't know. Over. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was one of his originally. So um yeah it's I don't know I don't know what Spielberg is going to do next it's he's very, as he's very much in his like I'm just going to do whatever I feel like doing stage now I don't think there's anything left for him to achieve he's oh, really he's done it all I mean he created the blockbuster yeah with with Jaws and uh, you know then he finally like, won the changed Oscar filmmaking well overdue with Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah and yeah then, so yeah. And I think because like West Side Story definitely is him going, I've never done this. I want to do it. I want to do, and I'm going to do, I'm going to remake my favourite film, like which is three insane things to do. I will um, say this, though. I prefer the original, I have to say. But I did like that's his fine. version. I love his version. like both of them. No, it's I just like, like both. But... Yeah, we'll but, see. Uh, it... But I'd like to. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Fablements, though, when it comes. No, out. I am. I am looking forward to watching. I will get to it. Has it actually been released in the UK yet? I'm so behind. No, this is why I decided to talk about it now because it's no. not coming out in the UK until the fucking end of January. Because is it on it, streaming in America now? Then or yes, like, yeah. yeah. Which it just sucks, and it's it, it's this dumb thing we do with. Well, we don't do it. The studios do it with Oscar contented contention films is they don't want it to get released internationally until they get the nomination um, for the Oscar because they think that will that will change the box office 
So they release them in America, wait for the Oscar nominations, and then release them in abroad and stuff. Speaking of weird release dates, I'm pretty sure Duck Soup came out in the UK 10 years after it did in America. <laughs> really? I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> Duck that Soup. Segue. <laughs> that was a segue. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> okay. So as Ollie revealed, this week's movie is the Marx Brothers Duck Soup from 1933. Ignore what Ollie said about that 10 year thing. <laughs> See you at the theater tonight. I'll hold your seat till you get there. After you get there, you're on your own. Hello? Hello, yes? No, he's not in yet. All right, well, goodbye. That was for you again. I wonder what ever became of me. I should have been back here a long time ago. They got drunk, we got drunk, all got killed, got Right, so Duck Soup is from 1933, directed by Leo McCary, mm-hmm. who um, we'll talk about Leo McCary a little bit, but actually he's coming back on the show, spoilers. <laughs> in our, well, we yeah, so we'll talk about Leo McCary really when we do his episode, I think. Because this, this is like, this is a Marx Brothers fucking movie. This is not a Leo McCary movie, really. But um, yeah, we're doing Make Way for Tomorrow in the 30s, which is his big film from 1937. And so it's a complete accident that he's on Duck Soup. I didn't realise this until until actually looking at the movie. Yeah, but I mean, he he's secondary to, you know, the, the main players, surely. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah the main players are definitely the Marx Brothers. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, one of the Marx Brothers comedies. It stars the Marx Brothers <laughs> and uh, Margaret Dumont. Anna, who was a frequent collaborator with the Marx Brothers. And it tells the story of, there's a (laughs) mythical country of Fredonia, and Groucho is the new president of that mythical country. And because of a misunderstanding between Groucho and uh, the Sylvanian ambassador. Yeah, like a neighbouring neighbouring country. country. Yeah, Yeah. they decide to go to war. Yeah, well, they said they they get two spies to like follow him and see what he's up to. And yes, then, they really do. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, then it results in a war. It results in the world's funniest war, which I'm confused with because why are the traitors, why are the spies with him during the war? That's what I couldn't get. Because um, they're the Marx Brothers. 
and that's why. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Although it has got one of my favourite gags in that very end scene. Where we'll he keeps appearing it. in different about... costumes. Say that again, I did not hear that. What's your favourite so, gag? At the end, he keeps appearing in different costumes, different like military costumes in every other <laughs> okay. scene. Like That's good. That's good. <laughs> I am um, so, yeah. I will admit I watched this movie over a week ago now so a lot of it has disappeared from my brain which i'm a little bit worried about it's but why don't we i mean it's short and it's very fast paced you know it's like 68 minutes so fast paced yeah yeah and yeah like when it's when the film starts it it literally starts it doesn't even have those long pre-credits or anything no not really yeah yeah bang and you're like in this like big event with lots of people like what's going on i have no idea what's going on there's not even an establishing shot it's just bang i think that's true as well though like i watched three march brothers films with this have you um so i watched duck soup i watched night at the races and night at the opera um just because i I wanted to get a bit of a flavor of them no animal crackers is what i really wanted to see i just didn't get time yet really yeah um but like it's we'll get into it because but like this i think represents the most pure like marx brothers movie i don't i think all the other movies are like a little bit other hands are coming in they're trying to do stuff for them they're trying to direct them in certain ways they're trying to get they're trying to like preempt the audience this represents the stage of their career where they'd made two huge movies then they they were basically given free reign to go make a marx brothers movie and they just did a fucking Marx Brothers movie. So, as you say, it's freewheeling. It's really off the cuff. It's really just manic. There's no real pausing for stuff. It's really just them. That 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 massive like just free spirit kind of of the Marx Brothers. Uh, what they would have been like on stage, getting into a movie without caring about the kind of consequences for that. Um, in a lot of ways, I've heard that um, Leo Carey, McCary, who was the uh, the the director. He's the person who kind of veered a more a little more structure into the film. Okay. Um, but really, this is just like the Marx Brothers going, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> we're off. <laughs> like, I think Liam McCary had worked with the Lauren Hardy before. That's what I wanted to say, yeah. So he'd done some director, he'd done some silent comments with Lauren Hardy. So Groucho was like, we'll get him, he's really good. Um, the Marx Brothers did have a represent- rep- like, reputation of being a bit difficult on set. So kind of a master hand like Liam McCary did help kind of just get them through that and um later groucho was like um leo mccurry brought in some aspects that i wouldn't have put in there and he was a little bit like the anti-war aspect and um the blocking of the last scene uh which we'll get to with the mirror scene um was kind of leo mccurry's kind of contribution as a director that's what that's, i wanted to say when i, I mean that seems like that scene's great, the mirror scene. It's but I phenomenal. Think, yeah, it is. Like, I think Harold Lloyd and oh, who else? I think Charlie Chaplin even did one very similar to that. Oh, really? And um, and, the, and obviously the Looney Tunes, like, yeah, not Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, the Looney Tunes, like, you know, mimicked it as well. Yeah, it's like, something I feel like uh, I've seen a billion times. But to watch actually Groucho and and uh, the other Marx Brothers, Harper and Chico actually do it i thought was just wonderful um, I really this might be a bit controversial i think it goes on a bit too long sure sure but and i don't know if it's intentionally gets more sloppy as it goes along but i do like it when they start like um you know they actually break the the, the fourth wall or whatever and they keep spinning around and stuff i do like that that is fun 
I think it goes, I think it goes on like, it's kind of like a family guy joke. Like it goes on a little bit too long to the point where it, it comes gets funny back again. funny again. Yeah, well, like it comes back again. I think very few family guy jokes become funny again or <laughs> funny compare, in the first place. Shouldn't compare <laughs> the Marx Brothers to family guy. <laughs> I'm going to get cancelled. <laughs> Shall we go through the Marx Brothers a little bit? Because I don't know anything about the fucking Marx Brothers. Well, so why before, don't I talk we, about Before them? we start, okay, so I know who Groucho is. And yeah. obviously the two spies are the other two. Which is the fourth one? I could, I didn't know. Yeah, so Zeppo. Was it the Lemonade Cellar or was it... No, I don't think... He, he plays one of the lieutenants um, for the other... So the he's other. not really a... He's not like a, a a showy performance player no. like the other three. Okay, go ahead. No, no. Um, there are five Mark brothers. Okay. Um, so the three older brothers, which is Groucho, Harpo, and Chico, which I was pronouncing Chico <laughs> forever. It's Chico time. <laughs> um, they're, the, they're the kind of main act. So the Marx Brothers are from like uh, Jewish immigrants from Germany and France. Uh, their mother um, was a performer in Germany on stage and stuff like that um so they they were born doing like like vaudeville and stage stuff um they uh they'd been like their mother got them into him from like 1905 or something they started vaudeville and um their early life was all like it's difficult with the marx brothers i was trying to research them but groucho is a fucking myth maker like he's just a guy that will just fucking make stories up as far as I can tell. So I think it's actually really hard to pin down what their career was actually like. Because Groucho's yeah. autobiography seems to disagree with every fucking story that exists out there. Like you'll read a story and then Groucho's autobiography goes, No, that didn't happen like that. <laughs> like so and I think it's impossible to actually unravel actually what actually fucking happened. But also like a lot of their stories are little things. So there's stuff like um they were in a they were in like a, uh, they were singers in a band called the Six Mascots, um, I think they were called, and they decided to go to comedy because of a, one time when they were playing in Texas, a donkey escaped, and Groucho kept on making jokes about the donkey escaping, and the crowd loved it, so they decided they're going to be a comedy act from now and not like a music act. But that's like you know one time this humor. happened on stage in Texas, like that kind of makes sense because their humour is so yeah. rhythmical and about timing that it kind of makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah. that they're musicians as well. So like like most vaudeville act, they were like singing with comedy and then and then maybe going a little more comedy with music and make, like really that's a lot a lot of vaudeville was. Um, they are. Uh, they they had a weird like you know they were German immigrants. Then the World War One breaks out, so they um they hide their German ancestry and change their names a little bit and they 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 um they move out of they move they have a weird thing that like they move out of New York to become chicken farmers and then realizing none of them can be chicken farmers so they move back from <laughs> Illinois to New York or something which you like did that actually happen that is that actually... just Mark like is that just Groucho telling a funny story kind of thing like that's kind of what I mean it's just it's just like I think it's hard to unravel them because Groucho I just get the impression he loved like making people laugh and telling stupid jokes and he was such a motor mouth like he could just he would just do that really um again you get stuff like uh they they eventually on stage they start getting their trademark looks as you say like the grease mustache and the grease eyebrows and um his little weird stooped walk he does yeah. <laughs> you know, like he kind of like stumbles around everywhere stooped. He eventually works that on stage. 
Harpo stops speaking on stage at some point and wears like a big stupid wig and starts carrying like a horn on stage. And Chico at, at some point like puts on a fake Italian accent. Italian accent. And, yeah, and which apparently he says that he dealt, he used to do it with like neighborhood toughs that wanted to beat him up and stuff like that. Like, And so the fourth brother at that point, Zeppo, he would do like romantic straight parts on set. On set. So he was like the straight man, basically. And there was these three idiots and then Zeppo was like the straight guy. On See, set. I wasn't sure if he was the um, the other suitor for the for the woman. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if he that's was who that I guy. thought it was. That's exactly... I don't know who he looks like. So that's who I thought it was as well, but apparently it's not. Because it kind of makes sense that they have the one It must be. I think that's who it guy. is. Yeah. Lieutenant Bob Rowland, who's Firefly's secretary, but that's not from the other country, so... I don't know. I'm very confused who Zeppo is, so <laughs> this is not helpful. <laughs> but I did spend a lot of the movie going, which one's the fourth one? And I'm not really was sure by it. Um, yeah, by the 20s, though, the Marx Brothers have become one of America's favourite, like, acts. They were huge. You know, they were um, quick-witted, qu- like, jokes continuously on stage. They loved to satiricise, like, high-society stuff and human, like hypocrisy and and jokes and stuff like that and they come very famous for like improv stuff in like freeform scenarios so it would be like there's a dinner party and the Marx Brothers are turned up you know like yeah or you know they're they're gone to the opera they've gone to the races they're they're in charge of the country it makes sense like here's a situation how do the Marx Brothers deal in this yeah let's put the Marx Brothers in this and see how they fuck it all up like and that's exactly what their films are I tell you what, I was, I was worried about how funny I'd find it. Thinking, oh, it's it's pretty old comedy, and I don't know, I don't know how this is gonna go. But I have to admit, I laughed quite a bit at this film. Yeah, I, I did. actually genuinely thought it was genuinely funny. There's yeah. some, unfortunately, some like some racist jokes and stuff like that in there. Yeah. but like. You know, I have to say, not times, compared to their later MGM movies, right? And actually. it's definitely like very much a pre-code. Yes, it is definitely. Yeah, you can well. tell. Yeah, I mean, obviously it is because it's 1933. Yeah, but is it yeah, but it's yeah. definitely obviously a pre-code film. But um, it's um, it even has some like really surreal like humor in it. Like there's one bit where. Uh, Oh, which one is it has the shows him, he's like talking to him but showing him via tattoos on his body yes yes and, and uh, the, the the last one it animates the last one it's like it's of a of a kennel <laughs> and then groucho does like a a cat meow to it and then the dog <laughs> pops out of it and barks and i genuinely pissed myself for that because i was not expecting that in this film <laughs> So yeah same same but, and I, also yeah. like at the end of the last podcast i don't think we recorded it It was afterwards and i was like going i wonder when we're going to start getting music integrated with yeah, these films right. and sound effects and this film does it, it has music does it? it's got it's good it's not a musical but it has a few it has at least two musical numbers in it i think yeah it's for as uh, i say it's vaudeville stuff like comedy yeah. mixed with music yeah and, and the, like, the the, the introduction to groucho is like music and like the tattoo sequence I was telling you about, um, there's a bit where you see he's got like a, a lady on his arm and like he flexes his muscles to make it look like it's dancing. And I'm sure they had some like boom, 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 like sound effects. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, they did. You can yeah. really see like how it's cinema's evolving. And like 
visually i was i thought it looked really good and it's got some like wes anderson like you can see wes anderson probably watched stuff like this because a lot of like symmetrical kind of looking shots in the way this you know uh the composition and things like that yeah absolutely it's um i guess I, i think it's quite interesting to find out where they are in their career as well so they become like huge um well, I think they become huge on stage, is what I'm trying to say, in the 1920s. Um, they become the biggest probably comedy act that exists in, I don't know if you can say America, but at least New York. Um, when were the Three Stooges? But, were they at the same time? Or they'd I think be after. much later, I think. Oh, yeah, much later. I think much later. Um, this, I think what's really key, though, is what you're talking about, is that there is no way this movie exists in the 20s. There is no way that um, there's there's absolutely no way that Groucho and the Marx Brothers become superstars on film like four years earlier, three, like mm. five years earlier. Like like the, the invention of sound is the only way that this works. Like they're not, they're not like, um the lo- you know, they're not Charlie Chaplin. They're not, they're, you know, they're not all those stage of like, they're, they're not all those superstars of silent movies. They are like comedy and, telling jokes and the Even lines the silent and the performance one relies like, on sound with his horns yeah yeah you know and things like that and i think it's like a happenstance of like technology that like in the in the late 20s sound is kind of invented and as motion pictures evolve to talkies the marx brothers are there right at that point to sign a contract with paramount and start making movies and I just like mm-hmm. so their first movie is they did three movies with Paramount, so their first movie comes out like twenty nine. So basically, as soon as, as soon as really, uh, you know, talkies get invented, they're there. Like, and then they do Animal Crackers in nineteen thirty, and then Duck Soup in nineteen thirty three. Like they, they um, and Monkey Business and Horse Feathers as well. Sorry, but like like that's what I mean. As as soon as that like sound comes in they are right there to take the opportunity and they only work with sound. And I think that's what you're seeing with this at the moment. Like, Duck Soup yeah. doesn't work as a silent movie at all. Like, and I think they're right there at the right time to kind of play into that. Um, there's definitely, like, the, like we, we spoke about the mirror gag. That's definitely, like, a silent yeah. movie kind of gag. And uh, there's a lot of comedy of error. Like, I wouldn't say comedy of errors, but, like, the bit where they all start dressing up as Groucho like you know yes, that's so where funny. that joke's gonna go but it's so well done they all look so much like Groucho which <laughs> outside a costume they don't and then as soon as they put those grease paint like moustaches on and eyebrows and the glasses they look exactly like their brother it's quite funny really it's quite surreal in having them all <laughs> run around that was one of my favourite bits with them all hiding in different rooms and reacting differently to the girl each time and the girl just didn't have a clue what was going on why they're all like acting so weird I love the ongoing joke with the sidecar of the motorbike. Yes. And it would oh, just yeah, drive yeah. off and he was just left there. And he's like, I've left the house five times already and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and the second time, like, yeah, because one time the, it drives off without him, he takes the motorcycle and the sidecar drives off and leaves the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. like, well, it, that's no, funny. That's the third, so it's the ju- it's the rule of three, so they do it twice <laughs> with, the, with the, the sidecar staying there. And then he watched the second one and he thinks, oh, he's going to do it now. But no, he still stays there. It's great. and it's worth saying like what i'm trying to explain about the how how manic this film is uh they eventually leave paramount this film basically um, sours their relationship with paramount quite a lot 
Um, it wasn't a commercial success. It wasn't a bomb, but oh. it wouldn't really make any money. I think it was just a bit too wild at the time, but maybe release schedules didn't help it. Who knows what, you know, with these things. Um, because nowadays it's referred to as their best movie, frankly. But I think there's a there was a purity of Duck Super that was so so Marx Brothers that the, the the Paramount didn't like it. They were like, well, it didn't work. We let you do whatever you want to do, and this didn't work. It was so, a um, two Marx Brothers. Yeah, it was basically little two Marx Brothers. Uh, they get into an argument over its money and everything else like that. Like, so they eventually leave Paramount. They go to MGM. They actually they do MGM RKO in United Artists and Warner Bros. They actually bounce all over the place, but they immediately go to MGM. And when they go to MGM, actually, the producer at the time, he Thalberg, I think it is, he um he will not let them do a duck soup basically. So he insists that the stories they do from later on make the brothers much more sympathetic. Uh, they kind of interweave comedy with more plots, especially romantic plots, and a lot of non-comedic musical numbers, uh, which the blackface comes in to that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, um, and later you do get you get them kind of their mischief making, their jokes targeted only at like obvious villains. You know, really, it can't we can't be teasing good people, which sounds like feels like a code thing to me. Yeah. Um, I think so really you get like Night of the Opera Day of the Races which are huge movies for them They, they it wasn't like they actually tampered their uh, box office down but I think watching it now for me the difference between Duck Soup and Night of the Opera and Day of the Races is giant you still got Groucho there you still got the guys there to being funny but I just something about Duck Soup is so wild how how it's never ending and completely batting and they don't care about structure and they're not trying to do anything else but make continuous jokes i just love i just think it's really good like and really different in in the way it feels like from the, the other movies like and even, even the sea what you can say sorry oh god no go on go on it's fine. no no you, you carry on i was just saying like there's i was trying to remember a scene i was going to talk about from that that's what i was going to mention and i just got for, oh the kind of war thing at the end when they're running around the the um they're running around that little kind of uh enclosure that and yeah, yeah. Uh, they could they cut a bit, to felt a bit blackadder you know blackadder yeah with some like and i like how they cut and... to different they cut to like video footage of like elephants going to war and stuff like that and, yeah, and different yeah, yeah. like things i and think that kind like, of stuff is just so good and they have like some early like chroma key kind of stuff with people yeah. walking out on the war field with tanks yes. in the background and stuff like yes. that and there's that line about um uh I shouldn't try to say Marx Brothers lines, but it goes, I wouldn't go out there unless I was in one of those big iron things that go up and down like this. Uh, what do you call those things? And Groucho goes, tanks. And Chico goes, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome, yeah. There was that another stuff bit earlier really, on where really like... made me laugh. Like, I have to really admit that that dumb comedy really made me laugh. What's the bit uh, when they're kind of like in the they're having a big discussion... And Groucho is like at the head of the table, and um, he's talking about tax, tax as in tax as in like you know taxes. Oh yeah. And then there's a, <laughs> and he's like no no carpets, and he goes no tax. And he's like you're right, tax come before carpets because otherwise those <laughs> carpets won't stay down. <laughs> and there's another bit where the the two spies are having like a, because they've got like a popcorn stall. Oh, I love this stuff. I love this ongoing and stuff. And the guy next to yeah. him is kind of like, they're kind of like, 
their like little villain kind of well not a villain what would you call it like their antagonist or whatever the uh what's the he selling lemonade. is he yeah he's <laughs> selling lemonade and they're selling popcorn yeah and they're both yeah. selling just outside the fredonia kind of capital building or something yeah and then they get in an altercation and then he goes i'll teach you how to kick me <laughs> no i'll teach you to kick me and he goes no it's all right i don't know how to kick you already and just starts kicking <laughs> <laughs> there's so much yeah. hat comedy with that guy there's so I much constant like that, switching though, of hats and <laughs> i love all that choreography it's almost a bit like it's um, so fun to watch yeah like jackie chan does things like that but just mixes in his martial arts with it that's you know that's exactly yeah. what jackie chan does it's almost like a god that's such a good point yeah yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah absolutely jackie chan a, a forebearer of one of the marks which one is it not chico harpo harpo i'm getting there in the end i'm remembering them and like I, I was going to say there was five five Marx Brothers. I didn't explain that, I don't think. Okay. Who so there was uh, Chica Harpo Groucho. Gummo um, is the one we haven't mentioned yet. And he wasn't in any of the movies because he left way before they got to they got to do movies. Uh, because he he um, he um left to uh, he left to fight World War One. I. I don't know why I'm laughing about this. Um, and when he came back from World War One, he gained success uh, through talent, his talent agency but also his raincoat business and that's where he got the name Gummo from because he always wore gum shoes apparently oh, okay but he, so he was never a, he never performed in any of the films or anything no he was gone by World War One, and World War One was before they did any films so that was just like yeah, stage yeah. stuff basically it seemed like the three older brothers they coined kind of a comedy act and the two younger brothers which Gummo and Zeppo weren't really invited to the comedy act which like like, I, I, tell you what, I know like Sam Raimi's very much into the Three Stooges and that but I definitely got like a Groucho Sam Raimi like Groucho yeah. vibe as well from him also if any listeners out there want to know what Brandon Khan looks like he looks a bit like Groucho he does look a bit like Groucho he does <laughs> sorry Brandon I'm going to get that yeah, but... gonna... <laughs> I'm going to get that later on it's New York yeah. even though he's from New Jersey so ignore that as well um <laughs> <laughs> Their names as well. So apparently their names came were coined by a guy called Art Fisher, who Art Fisher was a comedian known for his like monologues. And apparently they were playing poker one night and he started calling them different names and they just stuck. So can you guess? <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it like this. Can you guess where Chico came from? Chico? Mm, um, no. He liked chasing girls. Ah, okay. Chick, oh. chick, chick. Got you. Can you guess where Harpo comes from? There is actually a clue for this in the movie. Harpo. It might not be this movie. It might be one of the other movies I watched. Anything to do with an actual harp music? I don't know. Harp's cool. Yeah, he was a multi-instrumentalist and could play the harp. And apparently Art Fisher thought it was quite funny that a guy could play the harp, so called him Harpo. Okay. Groucho? Grumpy? Um, I don't know. This one is literally, because it's Groucho, there is no way for us to know ever <laughs> what Groucho <laughs> is called. <laughs> Is it a um, bit like the Joker? There's like so many. Yeah. Every time every, he tells you origin, it's different. So is it like every party that Groucho went to, he told you a different story about how he got his name. Um, apparently, he was a Grouch, which I think that makes sense for the other, yeah. other kind of uh, nicknames. But also, there was a um, there was a comic at the time called Sherlock the Monk or Sherlock, something like that, uh, which was written by Gus Mager. 
Um, and it was a comic strip, you know, like not like a comic book, but a comic strip in a newspaper, like four yeah, panels. Yeah, like a little stuff. four panels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And apparently there's a character in that called Groucho, which either he was a grump and Groucho was like him or they looked a bit alike. I think that's probably where it all ties up. But Groucho would tell you every fucking story in the world. Because <laughs> you never had a nickname, did you, growing up? No, 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 no. I never had a nickname, and I feel like I've missed out having a nickname. Like, like <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder: do, you, do my friends not care about me enough to give me a nickname? <laughs> I'd love to have had a nickname. <laughs> the, the best I had at school was boiled egg, and I don't really want that as my nickname. I don't think that's best. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, I think other things about like the only thing I know about Groucho. That's not the only thing I know about Groucho, but I knew Groucho was like a um, a, a, a game show host. Was he? Like, yeah, he he did. You bet your life. You bet your life in um the kind of sixties or something, and uh, so it was just it would just be him doing Groucho at like the contestants and stuff like that. And you bet your life's a little bit like um would you lie to me so it's a, it's like people like people telling lies or telling truths about their kind of like who they are and the and the contestants having to guess about who's telling okay. the truth in and stuff like that and grouchy was the host of it for forever i think like for like a long long time to the point that i think by him taking that gig after the movies dried up um kind of kept him in the consciousness of of america really so it's like i think that last movie is, is the late 40s but he's doing um you bet your life like in the 60s i believe uh that he but i think he started it yeah he starts it in the late 40s and it runs to the 60s so all the way through that time period he's just a continuous like figure on on nbc and on radio and television he starts authoring books and they come out all the time and he becomes a bit of a figure on like chat shows and stuff i think the tonight show before it was a tonight show before johnny just before like johnny carson took over so he was regularly on that and i think even hosted a show like that at one point so he just becomes this kind of enduring figure on american television that even for people who don't watch the films and grow up with their vaudeville definitely kind of know what this kind of like jewish like fast talking comedian is like really and i think that kind of is what solidifies him in america and what and how we kind of just how kind of we know about them almost mm. is 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 he kind of solidifies that legacy there was also a um a Marx Brothers cartoon that was done by Filmation in the 60s but I don't think that it went anywhere that does not surprise me but yeah that would like yeah I think um it doesn't I think it doesn't end up going to to go into series but they definitely tried to do something again in the 60s to to kind of jump on the popularity that hadn't gone away of these guys I wonder if they voiced their own characters no I don't think they did I don't think they did I think um but I think it was completely unrelated really but it was just like they had just become like America like American comedians that's what American comedians look like they they're fast talking they they make jokes at like rich people's expenses they're you know they're they're the smartest people in the room kind of thing and that's a real kind of product of American com- comedy I think especially like that Jewish com- comedy that goes into like Mel Brooks and and Woody Allen I guess like um at some point it kind of feeds into um at, like modern American comedy 
And uh, Monty Python, I guess. I think Monty Python would f- probably take a huge leap from the Marx Brothers. I feel like they'd, can... uh, you know, for my YouTube channel where I make stuff. Yeah. I made this. I feel like they'd be they'd be good uh, characters to Definitely. make. Definitely. In little claymation Definitely. characters, for sure. Because they've got, they're, all three of them have got such distinctive looks. Yeah, I think, and that's yeah. such a, that must be such a key to them at the way they became yeah. so famous because you could just identify what they're going to do. And they have such key um, roles like Groucho's hunched over making quick lines all the time he's the smart one kind of thinks smart the smartest guy in the room but actually well, he's really dumb kind of he thing he always like, looks like he's posing he's like he's in a hurry like he's like doing like a yeah like a like a walking pose but all the time like kind of striding over to people him saying something and then turning around to leave and being dragged back because yeah, they yeah. don't want him to leave yeah it's like I just think of that constantly as that's what Groucho does <laughs> that's like his key to comedy <laughs> him saying a witty remark to be like the last comment in a room and then kind of walking up like three flights of stairs at once or something with his giant legs like yeah um I th- one thing to say uh, I only I never only have one thing to say uh <laughs> Groucho was a huge Gilbert Sullivan fan and yeah. I think that comes out during this as well there's the uh um there's lines that are in this that kind of have that rhythmic kind of bouncing of Gilbert and Sullivan comedy music and I think there's a few bits in this that do the very similar thing I also think the idea of Fredonia and the idea of the kind of war thing is a very Gilbert and Sullivan kind of plot to me um, like the fa- the war kind of coming up and stuff like that but being a bit lighthearted. and I think that's pro- that might have been an influence to what he was bringing from this really at oh, least yeah. on stage and it's a rare kind of, and it's a rare kind of political movie, especially for the thirties, um, a political comedy as well. I mean, um, yeah, it's clever that they kind of used fictional countries, I guess, to kind of to not upset anyone too much, hmm. whoever they're, you know. But um, though, yeah, you're right. They though. did upset the village of Fredonia, New York. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, apparently. The City Fathers, whoever they are, they wrote to Paramount to ask uh, the studios to remove all references to Fredonia because it's hurting our town's image. And Groucho being Groucho, he, he wrote back and said their, um, their town's hurting our picture, so they should change their name. Which I think is <laughs> the most Groucho answer possible. <laughs> you always get people who try things like that. I think there's a town or a place called batman but it's like b-a-t-e-m-a-n and they're trying to sue warner brothers and disney uh dc for like copyright of their name of their town it's like <laughs> fantastic <"All> right. <laughs> okay great <laughs> <laughs> um yeah shall we just bounce through the plot a little bit that might be we the best try, way to do it. We can try, see if really. I can remember much of it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember much of it. I might I might come out when I, when we go through it a bit more. I might remember a little bit more. Um, it, it's just a, a series of key scenes, really, isn't it? I don't think there's much yeah. kind of like to hold. There's no, there's no like interstitial scenes that kind of like like pad it out or hold it together. It's literally just like, I don't know, six big scenes essentially that kind of like hold it together, really. Yeah, I think there's a there's a thread going through it that Mrs. Teasdale yeah um for some reason makes Rufus T. Firefly the leader of this country which for reasons I do not understand she has the power to do this 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sylvan as- ambassador is not happy. <laughs> I don't really. Well, hang on. No. One of, so isn't one of the women, women recently a widow and she's got a lot of money? So grab yeah, show. so Mrs. Yeah, Mrs. Teasdale was the wife of the former lead, and the former yeah. leader's dead. And she bankrolled. She banks rolls this country. Basically, they need a ton of financial aid. Um, but I think Sylvania wants to annex Fredonia, so they think the easiest thing will do to have to kind of separate Mrs. Teasdale and and Rufus T. Firefly. So they get the money instead and then Fredonia is weak and they can invade Fredonia without them building up an army with all of Mrs. Teedale's money. I think that's the plot. Yeah, <laughs> I, think. I think I think that's about it. But like, Rufus T. Firefly isn't really interested in wooing Mrs. Teasdale at all. Um, in the slightest, I would say, really. He just kind of has to do it because he knows he needs the money. Because he's got that other girl that he's trying to woo all the time. The, the younger I one. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Who's actually yeah, who's actually working for Sylvania as Sylvania's, well. Sylvania's yeah. I think. Yeah, so everyone in this film is working against Rufus T <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because Harper and and Chico are both um spies, as you said. They've they've been sent by Sylvania to undermine Fredonia as well. There's that the great scene though when they're like with the whoever's sending them out and he, with the cigars and they give him like half this is a great oh, cigar yeah. <laughs> and he starts he goes I smoked half of it already or something I don't know <laughs> and then like there's a lot of you know performance scenes where they like uh, the one's got scissors all the time and he's like cutting things yeah it's and, like, like and are they, they're cutting like the cigar when it's behind his back and then they're things like that yeah this is, I think the, it's the whole telephone bit where they're picking up the telephones and he just happens to have a an alarm clock in his pocket and things like that. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of a hard film to talk. Like comedies I find quite hard to talk about. Yeah. It's absolutely. Hard to, it's hard absolutely. to say something's funny without the context or the joke and I don't know. It's like trying to explain a joke to someone it's like it's it, it never works, does it? <laughs> no, you can't explain what was funny yesterday in the show you watched. And I can't explain yeah. what was all the jokes in this, really, that made me laugh. But I can try to explain that, you know, the street vendor stuff is real great physical physical comedy that I loved watching. I loved how, like, Harper keeps getting in, like, the lemonade bowl like i love how he keeps swapping everyone's hats and throwing it in the fire like every scene always ends up with the lemonade seller's hat in like the burner for the popcorn yeah and stuff that lemonade um, looks horrible though it looks like just water <laughs> with a bit of lemon in it i mean not horrible because i i'll drink lemon water but like as far as lemonade goes it didn't look like very nice lemonade no it didn't at all it just looked pale and weird also, a side tangent, why isn't American lemonade? It's just like it's like lemon juice, like, like a lemon cordial thing. Whereas in the UK, aid means like fizzy, so we have lemonades like fizzy lemonade, cherry aids, fizzy cherry, orange aid. Why is that? Do you know? <laughs> I thought you were going to explain. No, <laughs> give me more examples of aids. <laughs> aids. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. In Amer- in America, lemonade is just still. Um, it's just aid just means like juice or something, I guess. Yeah. And here, aid means fizzy. I don't. I don't know why that's a difference. I don't okay, think it always topic. has meant that because like Victorian <laughs> lemonade is still. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, it's just yes. a modern thing that we've come to for some reason. Like, surely we should start calling it like lemon pop, orange pop, because that's what we always call everything fizzy. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, it's because when you turn the lid, it pops. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I like the opening scene because um, it's weird as fuck. So the, the opening he scene... Like, he's, he's like sleeping above... I don't know. So they're having a big party to announce the new president. And apparently the only person that doesn't know he's the new president is the new president. So everyone's there playing like, and they're playing like the Fredonia national anthem. I assume. I assume that's what's going on. And, uh, which I knew in my head, but I can't remember it now. And this wakes up Rufus T. Firefly, (laughs) who hops out of his pyjamas and spins down a bat pole and ends up in the main kind of parade area where they're celebrating the new president. And uh, he, instead of coming through the grand doorway to announce himself, he just kind of hides at the side and yeah, starts making this, snide this. comments continuously. <laughs> what I love about comedy like this is, though, where the other characters ignore how insane these people generally are. Yeah, right. They they kind of let them do what they want to do, and then they just then come in with like being normal. Do you know what I mean? So like, as soon as he's like at the side with all these other soldiers with their like trumpets and trombones and all that kind of stuff, they're just like, "Oh, there you are!" And then there you are. Come on. Hit. And then there's a big song and dance number. Yeah, there's a huge song and dance number. That's how it first opens. It's because, like, basically she eventually comes down and spots him and is like, oh, there you are, you old scamp. Yeah. And he's and by that point, Groucho never stops talking for the rest of the film. <laughs> <laughs> he does, like, a card trick with her immediately, doesn't he? That's what I remember. Yeah. Which, I don't know what's going on. Margaret, De- I should say, Margaret Demont it plays uh, plays uh, Mrs. Teasdale. Uh, Margaret Demont was with them when they were on stage. She was with them in every single movie they ever did. Um, to the point that, like, she always played, like, a very straight, like, female character, higher class person that was getting kind of dragged down by the by the Marx Brothers. Um, I think she, she um, Groucho referred to as the fifth Marx Brother constantly. So she was always, like, the comedic foil uh, to them. To the point that, apparently, I don't believe this whatsoever, but I've, I read somewhere that um, the... Uh, audiences thought she didn't get Groucho's jokes because she was too dim and that's what like and it's like no she's acting yeah. <laughs> she's a comedian who's acting <laughs> dear but it's re- I read that a number of times with people just going like oh she I bet she didn't even get Groucho's jokes like and that's why she's perfect as the comedic foil and it's like no I'm pretty sure she knew they were joking and she was acting which is really weird that that was just the comment I kept on reading about her you get but that apparently lot, she was. Though, they, you get that, like the whole thing saying that women aren't funny and things like that. It's like, yeah, you know, true. It's, like it's 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 always been the same. By the way, I'd, I'm not saying that's what I think. By the way, just just. To <laughs> like that. But apparently she was uh, 
hugely recognised for this. Like when she got announced for stuff, like there wasn't even connected to Mars Brothers, there'd be huge cheers for her and stuff like that. She was known for being the the woman in the Mars Brothers films and stuff like that. That was a huge part of her whole career and things, which I think is really cool. But some comedy like this doesn't work. I think I've said it already in this episode, but without a foil, as long as you, if no. you don't have that straight person to bounce off of, it doesn't work. Because otherwise, it's just too much all the time, and you need that. Yeah, you just need that one or two characters that are just oblivious to the the comedy that's going on around them. They're in like a, almost like a separate movie. And I think it's sometimes why modern improv movies don't hit the mark for me is because everyone's a big, joke 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 yeah, joke, joke, joke everyone joke, is joke. trying to win the joke all the yeah. time in, in them um because they're just full they're full with really funny people i'm not saying they're not funny they're re- all of them are really fucking funny people but none of them has n- because of like the stage persona of nowadays you know people making in like independent com- comedians none of them can let themselves be the straight person in a movie nowadays because that would just get typecasted of not being a comedian that's why um, I always give Christina Applegate a lot of respect for like Anchorman because she plays the straight woman in that film. Yeah, amongst, you know all those. Like, all, it's almost a bit like this, I guess, with with you yeah. know, four lunatics running around, and she's the one who has to kind of you know be the straight person. It, um, it is very often the woman in these films, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that so, role. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I agree. That I think like I mean, when I was saying that, I was picturing like uh, I have to say the Ghostbusters which never really worked for me um, because yeah. I feel like everyone's trying to one-up each other in the, every scene, really. Um, that, I mean, but this... like going on the Ghostbusters thing, like the, the original Ghostbusters, they, they never told... Not saying that the, the remake should have been like the original one, but one no, of the reasons of why not. the original worked was because even when they were making jokes, they were kind of... They weren't saying it in a jokey manner. They weren't saying it to each other to get a rise out of each other's, whereas... I felt with the remake, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to make the characters laugh within the film, almost. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And but I mean, I, it depends. As, as, as you're saying, you can do many different types of comedies and yeah, stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. It's just that there does... I do think, though, there is that, like, lack of just letting someone be the funny person on screen is something that we struggle with a little bit in modern yeah. comedy, I think. But maybe people wouldn't sign on to films if they have to be that so much but maybe. yeah like, like again like look at Ghostbusters the first one you have Sigourney Weaver who's like the straight woman again or you know even uh, the receptionist Janine whereas the remake you didn't have that character for them to bounce off of even like the Dean was trying to make jokes of, of the university and things like that and you know. that's what was that's what I was thinking the Dean to be honest the yeah. Dean and uh, hilarious guy um, but he, he's the tour guide at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful comedian. I can't remember his name. But, like, by putting him in that role, of course he's going to be funny. <laughs> like, because he's a funny guy. You don't need him in that role. You need, like, the people who, like, we're talking a lot about Ghostbusters, but, like, the guy who leads them into the hotel in Ghostbusters. Like, <laughs> that that's, that's, like, a good character to for them to be funny with. Um, but if you're just going to give them funny people to be funny with, sometimes I think it's over eggs the custard, I guess. Like, yeah. Whereas, I mean, don't get me wrong, in times in this, I was just like, Was it Ed Bagley you're thinking of, by the way? No, it's not. It's the guy from Veep. I wish I could remember his name because I love the him. The one who's wearing the Hawaiian shirt or whatever in the. 
It, no, it's the tour guide in the museum at the beginning. Oh, the one who's also he's in Silicon Timothy Valley as well. Simmons? Timothy Simmons, I think I'm talking right. about. Was yeah. he in Silicon Valley? No. Am I? No, 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 no. No. Anyway, carry on. Back to <laughs> Duck Soup. Well, yeah, like, where's this? Don't get me wrong. There are definite times when I'm like, Groucho needs to shut up. <laughs> like, like yeah. in a good way. Like, because, like, like he just ne- like never stops, like, kind of making comments about everything. And I can imagine I just put myself in the role of being there. Like, and thinking, God, if this guy was just it's insufferable. <laughs> I do love that wordplay that he does, though, like, where he tells a joke then it flips on itself and then it flips back again to how yeah. the original joke i do i do like that structure and it and again it goes it springs back to being musicians it's got that structure where yeah. it kind of repeats itself and comes back again and well the choreography as you were saying with like um so we've done we talked about the lemonade seller a lot but one of the other moments that happens is the two the two marx brothers get called into the office of the uh, the head of sylvania and we talked about this a little bit, but like with the cigars, but every single bit of that is a beat. Like they open the door to the Marx Brothers. One of them, um, one of them's facing the wrong way, and it's got like zany glasses on, spinning round and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Me- uh, he turns him around, and immediately they run into the office. They avoid his handshake. They start playing with the phone. Like one of them distracts him, you know, to make him look the other way. So the other one starts doing shit to him, like. You know, setting stuff on fire with like a, like pulling stuff out of his pockets, sitting on the chair before the guy has a chance to sit on the chair, so it sits on him. Putting his feet up on the table, and so he gets distracted. He looks the other way when the wrong cigar gets given to him. You know, as soon as he turns one way, someone goes around his back again and like paints some glue on his like on his behind and stuff. Like, it's just constant, absolute constant flow and dancing and movement, which I can imagine would have taken ages to rehearse. No one. I haven't read anything about the rehearsal for this stuff, but I can imagine that blocking. We're talking about Spielberg. That blocking of that, knowing when to put the camera, where to move the camera, then actually the performances themselves. Like I'm going to turn this way at this point, turn this way, this way, this point. I think would have taken forever to rehearse. Plus, it's not a fucking silent movie. They're saying lines constantly. They're always talking. They're always making noise. They're always kind of making jokes whilst doing this. So that's got to be part of the act as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this is a script i don't know how you write this yeah i don't know how this comes down on paper i don't know how it goes into storyboards i don't know how the crew knows what's going on i don't know how, <laughs> like i don't i don't know how this works so when i watch something like this i'm like i am baffled by the technical artistry that i'm watching frankly of the com- comedic artistry orchestra but everything else that goes with it really um, it's it's for me. It's kind of remarkable they end up making a finished movie like this because it's so complicated. I'm like that with musicians. Though, if I see people who can sing and play guitar at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't know how you do it. Or people <laughs> yeah, play yeah. drums and sing at the same time. I'm like, how? I, I I don't get it. I wish I could do that. I'd love to be able to do that. I just yeah, it blows my mind. There's so much stuff to it. There's a bit where he starts throwing. You know, he throws like. Re- keeps on handing him vinyls and he keeps chucking them in the air and he keeps shooting them with a gun and stuff like that oh like, yeah there's barely any cutaways in this stuff as well it, like there is now it's not one long shot but they they, it, they must have had they must have performed this over and over and over again like for the amount of times like moving the camera and stuff like that i don't know if they had seven cameras on set you know <laughs> like i doubt so it i doubt it exactly so i think it's it's 
pretty remarkable. Like that, I couldn't stop thinking about watching it. Like even if, even if I think some of the humor is dated, even if like, like it doesn't quite hit the comedy I love right now. But I've been watching. It doesn't matter because this is perfect. This is perfect mm. comedy. It's perfectly shot. It's perfectly made. It's perfectly does what it wants to do. And I do think it's funny. Like, I'm not, yeah. like, I do think it is really funny. So I think that's pretty remarkable for a film from 33. Like, that's for me anyway. <laughs> like, Yeah, a film that's, you know, in 10 years' time is going to be 100 years old. Yeah, it, I think it's remarkable. It's, it still holds up, yeah. And to say there's in... some uh, satirical stuff about, like, kind of world politics as well. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting, really. Yeah. To the point, actually, um, Mussolini actually had a problem with the film and banned it in Italy. Well, of course, of course he did. <laughs> I love how apparently I'm just going to bring up a fascist every episode of the 30s. <laughs> but, um, apparently, um, apparently, yeah, apparently he didn't like duck soup, so banned it. <laughs> so if I yeah, just I talked too much at you. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about it. Like, you know, obviously the scene where they all kind of dress up as Groucho is great. I think we've already commented oh, on that. Wonderful. It's and, so funny yeah. how they look all exactly the same, whereas I would think they all look different. But I love I lo- again talking about the blocking, how they all walk into the bedroom with um what's her name? Mrs Mrs. Teasdale. Mrs. Teasdale. And She's like, oh, your accent sounds different. You know, it sounds more Italian or something. And then she turns around and another one walks in the room. So the the, the other one decides to hide under the bed. Yeah. And yeah he's yeah, silent. Yeah. And then I think he's just got his trumpet or whatever. So he just makes some noise with his trumpet. And then the real Groucho then walks in. So then, no, the one leaves the room. And then the real Groucho comes in. It's like, it's just so well choreographed and well done it's it like, is it's like you like i don't know if at the time in 1933 you'd have known the joke a lot of the jokes in this i kind of knew what was coming oh i know what you mean yeah but sure. i think sometimes with humor that that's you do know what's coming and the payoff is yeah. just how they do it but i don't know whether back in 33 if people knew what i was think so happen. But I think so. Did. Yeah, but I've got to. I keep forgetting as well. There's been twenty years of or more of actual films being made and people seeing films prior to this. Yeah, and they, yeah. I say they were huge act from the early, exactly. Yeah, you know the early noughties of the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> um, I love the bit by the way before they dress up with dress up as Groucho. Uh, they're they're trying to be silent downstairs. And oh yeah, yeah there's stuff with the alarm clock like he sets the clock because it's off and then sets the alarm off and then he realizes the piano is so he starts trying to play the piano because it's because he's he likes playing music or something and then the piano crashes on his fingers and they start like trying not to scream all that stuff is like keener than kel to me like 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 the stuff that i used to love like growing up question Um, why does the safe make a noise because he he just he opens (laughs) the safe or tries to open it and then that starts making a noise then he breaks it and it still makes the noise. <laughs> but that remind me, is it like, I don't know, Friends, I'm sure, do a joke like that. And I mean, he's done it for years with like the, you know, the smoke alarm, where it doesn't matter yeah, how much they try right. and break it or whatever, it still works and stuff like that. It's kind of like an age old joke, isn't it? But yeah, that, that leads up to the, say, the mirror scene, I think is iconic. I had seen the mirror scene before. It's right. always in those, you know, because 
you know it's all over youtube or old comedy documentaries or whatever like um it's brilliant it is brilliant it's it's really funny um it's it's really well choreographed and it's really dumb i like that like groucho is trying to outsmart him really so groucho knows something's wrong so he keeps trying to think of difficult things to do to make sure that the image isn't real or not which is such a funny little gag. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like sliding the... from underneath at the bottom of the mirror. Yeah. Or, you know. He's like, like, wait a minute, something's off about this, but I can't quite put my finger on it. So I'll try and outsmart it. It's, it's really funny to me. And I say, it gets a little more kind of, breaks down a little more. And then I pro- I properly burst out laughing when the other Mars brother runs yeah, into the, the, the mirror. Yeah. That really made me laugh because it was a perfect ending to that that bit. Well, like, throughout the whole, because I've never seen, I, I mean, I know of the scene, but I've never watched it. And I was thinking all he yeah. has to do is, like, reach his hand out and touch it. But then when they start breaking the, the barrier <laughs> where the mirror is, that's when I, I was like, ah, oh, that's brilliant. That's so it's cool. when they start having, they, he brings on a hat and he has a different hat, Hats but because it's still a hat, it works. <laughs> like, I just think that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. And then after that, yeah, it breaks. It goes into the war stuff at that point. Well, you which... have another musical moment then, don't you? That's yeah. We're going to war. And um... and for some reason, the spies are now on their side. Well, they have a court case, don't they? Because the spies get caught. So they're in court. And uh, there's a good scene where they, they all kind of eject. Okay. And then he's like, you can't object. You're the... Go on. Oh, sorry. No, no, that was, that was that was my thought process ended. Oh. <laughs> okay, during that dance sequence, that one, mm-hmm. there were four people dancing at the front of the screen. Right. There's Groucho, Harpo, um, Chico, and the other one dancing is the other March brother. That's Zeppo. But he played all the way through that sequence, he's playing with them. Like, he plays the banjo with them, he dances with them. Uh. Like, and that's exactly who he is during that one of it. I wonder if they use him as a shemp at all, like pre-shemp. Probably, probably. Interesting. All right, where should we go from here now? I'm kind I don't of. Now I'm actually just watching Duck Soup now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about this film anymore. No, I think I I don't want to over egg. I don't think I can say much more than that. I think like. I think we've actually been chatting longer than the actual film's duration now. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, did what did you did you enjoy it? Would you want to check out more Marx Brothers? I definitely. Yeah, I actually had a really good time with this film. I mean, when it first started, I thought, oh, I I don't know how I'm going to get on with this. But no, I generally, I genuinely warmed to it. And like, as soon as you had like the gags, like the the dog barking in the tattoo that just pops out. So good. Yeah. And uh, you know, as we just talked about the mirror gag and uh, the how he changes costumes during the war scene, that really, really made me laugh. And uh, oh yeah, there's a bit later on in the war scene where he gets a vase like a, on his head. Oh yeah, and he's like, I can't see anything. So the one just draws a face, <laughs> and then they put a piece of dynamite inside of it to blow it up, and he's fine. Oh, yeah, that's a really good bit. <laughs> One, you just reminded me. One, there's a bit when like, um, is it Harpo does like the Paul Revere thing, like you know the English are coming, so he jumps on a horse, and uh, then he meets like the lemonade seller, and they end up having like a uh, like a chase around the streets, and oh, he yeah. ends up in the lemonade seller's like bathroom, 
where his wife's having a bath or something, or just got out of the bath. That's I it. Think. And then there's a bit the horses. And he bed. jumps he jumps into the bath to hide from the lemonade seller, and then the lemonade seller gets into the bath with him. And then eventually he pops up like in between in, in the bath in the middle of between them and he's like, What the fuck? How did you get in here? kind of thing. He's like That's fucking funny. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Stuff. I think because he gets in the bath and he's like, "This bath's really lumpy. Why is this bath so lumpy?" And eventually, like, she, like a harpo appears, kind of in the bath. But I think playing the trumpet, if I remember correctly, as well. Any final thoughts for you? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's yeah. funny. It's dumb. Like it's free spirited. That's what was really fun about it for me as well. Like it's it's not try. It's a little bit political satire, but. Um, but really, it's just kind of zany and weird and funny and, and quite dumb. And yeah, why wouldn't you enjoy this? Like, yeah, <laughs> And I, that's why like, I checked out a couple more uh, Marx Brothers films, just because I was interested in kind of seeing them in context, really. Which one would you recommend most out of the ones you saw? Um, probably Nights at the Races, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe. They're very similar. Uh, Nights at the Opera Day at the Races, be. sorry. I can imagine Um, the humour of these films is probably very... I imagine if you sat down and watched four Marx Brothers films in a row, you'd probably have enough Marx Brothers to last you for a little while. I can imagine. But I really want to check out Horse Feathers and Monkey Business, I think, the ones before this. I could be generalising here, but I can imagine once they've got a formula for these films, it's a bit like Lauren Hardy, that they just run that into the ground and they just keep doing (laughs) the same thing. Um, (laughs) But then again, like you have, but, but like I think a lot of like Harold Lloyd films, from what I've seen of his films, they were a lot shorter, so they were like twenty minutes long or yeah, twenty five minutes. Reelers, yeah. Whereas this is, you know, this is you know a feature. I mean, it's a short yeah. feature, but it's still a feature. So I guess your mileage may vary if you if you don't like this kind of you know comedy. I think Groucho is just like intrinsically funny. Yeah, I, I think he, like he is just like he's very witty and very funny, and I think that's funny to watch. And the other two are also like really gifted performers. They're not just like Groucho isn't the lead so much, but the other two are gifted comedians. Um, I think, and it's just quite fun watching them. Really, I think like Rodney Dangerfield owes his like his whole oh, God, act yeah. to Groucho yeah. pretty much, even like yeah. with the winking and nudging to the camera all the time and the, the yeah, eyeball. yeah, yeah stuff like that and uh even like you know people like jim carrey like owe a lot to these and i definitely think those like mel brooks comedies later oh, on i don't i cannot imagine them existing without this originally for some reason like and those just... early steve martin films like the jerk and stuff like yeah that. yeah sure but yeah so what would you give it out of five? Oh, i can't remember what i gave it maybe probably gave four yeah four four and a half for me yeah really good so uh, what we uh, what we're checking out next time oh that's a question <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing the thin man the thin I'm pretty man. sure that's next is Brandon joining us for that one I think he is he's meant to be he's meant to, he's be. Meant to be he better be he better be um, he's on the books anyway yeah it is the thin man look at my memories good stuff yeah so another comedy oh uh, yeah so. okay and another quite short film as well. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, times. Awesome. 
All right, well, on that note, uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, don't forget, you can reach out to us on Twitter if it still exists. Uh, we are at Adjust Your Tracking. That's with a Y, not a your. Um, yeah, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen to us on. And yeah, don't forget, if the picture's bad, always adjust your tracking.